millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi fans, welcome back to La Dame and Latte. As you may know or may not know, I have turned my home into a cafe this ISO season. And it's a very exclusive cafe. Only my bebe and my dog and my boyfriend are allowed to attend. But this week we had some baked goods on the menu and not like basic banana bread like everyone else is making because I actually make that quite frequently in the off season. Like I always buy bananas with the very best intentions of eating them, but then they sit in my fruit bowl for like two weeks and I have to make banana bread with them. So I'm actually quite a pro at that. The same cannot be said about my chocolate cake baking skills because I don't think I've actually made a chocolate cake since I was allowed to use the electric beater unsupervised and I think it's safe to say that nothing has changed since I was four years old. I ate the batter, I licked the bowl and I couldn't reach the electric beater because it was at the back of the top shelf out of my reach probably on purpose. And to be honest, the finished product looked like it had been made by a four-year-old as well. So safe to say that in future, I will be buying my baked goods from the local Safeways. Today on the podcast, I have a super unpopular opinion that I have been bottling up for years. And fans, I have decided that today is the day I let the world know about it. But to take some of the heat off me, I'm going to be sharing your unpopular opinions too. As it turns out, you have a whole swag of them, which you've been sharing this week in the Facebook group, La Jam and Latte Podcast. Then, vroom, 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 I review the sequel that follows the age-old trend of the sequel never being as good as the original, too fast, too furious. And of course, I'll leave you with a life changer. Beyonce is overrated. There, I said it. Don't at me. It's been really hard to keep this in for years and even harder to let out. I mean, sure, she is really good at what she does, no doubt. But she is no better than any other pop star. Gaga, Katy Perry, Christina, Britney, Dua Lipa. They can all do what Beyonce does. And in my opinion, they do it better. Yeah, Beyonce is hot. She can sing. She can dance. She can put on a show. But you know what? I've also just described half of the Real Housewives. Ooh, did I just compare Beyonce to a Real Housewife? Yes, I did. She would fit right in. Yeah, think about it for a second. She would. But okay, let's zoom in on why you think she's Queen Bay, and I will rebut everything with an argument that is worthy of a scene in Boston Legal. It would hold up in a court of law. Beyonce is such a good singer. Yeah, of course she can sing. But you know what? Like, let's do a riff-off between her and Christina Aguilera. It's not even a competition. Beyonce is McCain oven baked fries and Christina Aguilera is fresh cooked McDonald's fries. Not convinced? Okay, how about this one? Never has her true level of average singing talent been so exposed as it was in the duet Perfect with Ed Sheeran. 
First of all, she had the sheer arrogance to think that she could sing barefoot on the grass when it's barefoot on the grass. Ed is British. So then Ed was like, you know what? You sound shit. I'm going to go and get Andrea Bocelli to sing your part and he's going to do it in Italian. And my God, if Christina is fresh McDonald's fries, then Andrea Bocelli is fresh KFC chicken salted fries. Like I can't put music on the podcast because like copyright and whatever, but you need to YouTube Andrea Bocelli and Ed Sheeran singing perfect. It will move you. It will be the highlight of your ISO month. Oh, and that's when, of course, she bothers to sing it all because like every good faux musician, she loves a good miming session. Oh my God, Beyonce is such a good dancer. Yeah, her dances are really fun to do, but every basic and their dog can do Beyonce's choreography. Like, I know you've all done the put a ring on it dance when you've been lit, and you're definitely not all trained by the Australian ballet now, are you? But she puts on such a good show. Yeah, I agree. She does put on a good show. Well, Actually, her choreographers, set designers, lighting designers, directors, costume designers, graphic designers, and producers put on a good show. But sure, Beyonce can put on a show. But can she perform without the show? Without the wind machine? No, I don't believe she can. She can't just sit down at a piano because she can't play piano and just rely on her skills and talent, her beautiful voice. You know who can do that? Gaga can. Taylor, Queen Taylor can. Okay, But her actual songs are just really good. This is the component of the Beyonce construct that is the worst of all. All her songs require like 10 songwriters. Gaga and Taylor write their own songs all by themselves, by the way. And these songwriters are seemingly briefed to create a song in 25 words or less because that's literally how many words every Beyonce song has in it. The songs are just the same words cut up and repeated in different ways. Don't believe me? Okay, here you go. Got me looking so crazy right now. Your love got me looking so crazy right now. Got me looking so crazy right now. Your touch got me looking so crazy right now. Halo, that word is repeated 67 times in one song. Or how about this one? Girls, we run this mother, yeah? Girls, we run this mother. Girls, who run the world? Girls. Are you bored yet? Because I definitely am. And I mean, sure, Repetition is nothing new in the world of bubblegum pop, but you can't claim the title of queen when your lyrics are next to Taylor's, who can literally all by herself crystallize a universal feeling in one line. Like, damn, it's 7am, or you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, or I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there faster if I was a man. Listen to the song, Soon You'll Get Better. It's the song that Taylor wrote about her mum, and it will bring you to tears. If it doesn't, there is 100% something wrong with you. Beyonce is fruit and nut, and Taylor is marble. No Beyonce song will ever move you the way that a Taylor or Gaga song does. And if it does, it's probably because it's not even her song. That's another thing she likes to do, steal people's songs. Who run the world? Yeah, that's Ponda Floor by Major Lazer. She just threw five words over the top of it, then claimed it as her song without even giving him a credit. What kind of musician, nay, what kind of person can consciously do that? She's a bad guy. 
Okay, well, that seems a bit harsh. Actually, I do have some more evidence to back that one up. Some dedicated fans in Melbourne started this dance group, Bay Dance, where anyone could sign up and over a few weeks you would learn the choreography to a Beyonce song because anyone can do the choreography to a Beyonce song. I actually did a few classes myself and it's really fun, really community-based and a really good way to get fit. What did Beyonce do? She sent a cease and desist, shut it down, ruined it. She's probably going to send me a cease and desist for doing this podcast, let's be honest. So her career is made of dressing how other people tell her to, dancing how other people tell her to, singing songs that other people wrote for her. Not one single thing she does is genuine and that's why she is completely overrated. Okay, so that is my unpopular opinion, but I really want to move the heat away from me. So let's talk about your unpopular opinions now. This is quite clearly from a male. Mark thinks that high-waisted pants are terrible and the only people that like them are the people that own them. Well, yes, I do own them and I will defend them because I like pants that cover my ass crack. I also like pants that hold in my muffin top and the Santa sack of a belly my baby left me where my abs should be, especially when I'm exercising because not having all that held in is like not wearing a sports bra. The alternative is that crack muffin and sack all hang out like an overflowing bath. Like the early noughties when low rise were in were some of the most challenging years of my life. So yes, Mark, I will die on my sword for high-waisted pants. Dirty dancing is shit. Well, yes, actually, I agree with this one. It is such a boring movie. It's not a coincidence that it spawned a shit reality show and a shit remake. They never had a hope because the OG was so awful to begin with. Like, if I'm going to watch a movie made before I was born about a bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks and a nice girl that come together through dancing, I'm going to watch Grease every time. You know what? I'd actually even watch the disaster that was Grease 2 before I watched Dirty Dancing. Dancing. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Mm, okay, but I am going to put you in the bin. While we're on movies, whoa, Catherine thinks that the notebook is awful. Well, Catherine, I think that you need to see a cardiologist about your cold heart because the notebook is obviously the second greatest love story ever told, right behind another Nicholas Sparks masterpiece, A Walk to Remember. I like, I'm literally nearly crying thinking about that movie right now. Oh, and this one's a good one. Emma hates stepbrothers. And honestly, I don't disagree with this one either because it's so unrealistic. What are the odds that two boomers fall in love and they both have middle-aged sons that live at home and they both have really extreme sleepwalking issues? Like, I think there is more chance that these boomers actually share some genetics in common to both have such similar spawn. Oh, yeah, and also it's just not funny. Here is my favorite one though. Michael thinks that Seinfeld is the most overrated show of all time and that is a 100% accurate assessment. Aside from the soup Nazi, there is nothing memorable about that show at all. Friends on the other hand, Pivot, the spray tan episode, the leather pants, the fajitas episode, we were on a break. Basically, any storyline that involves Ross is an iconic moment in TV history. I feel like some of you have scratched off your taste buds while in isolation and send help, please. Anthony thinks that hummus is rubbish. 
sorry, hummus is the base of all dips. It's the foundation upon which other dips are built. If you don't like hummus, you don't like dips, which probably means you don't like cheese and you don't like charcuterie. So by the age of 25, that's your social life out the window. Ugh. This one, oh my God, Lucy doesn't like burgers. Not only are they obviously delicious, I mean, there's a burger store in every corner, so they must be, but they also provide many important food groups in one meal. Meat is protein, tomato and lettuce are vegetables, cheese is calcium and dairy. Like, a burger might have 9,000 kilojoules in it, but it's the only 9,000 kilojoules you'll need for that day. Brittany doesn't like ice cream. Well, I assume Brittany doesn't like fun either. Mia and Laura hate rosé and Aperol, which literally stabs me in the heart of my basic white girl being. And I thought, okay, maybe it's because they're just like really classy wine snobs and they would just prefer to have like a 2012 Shiraz instead. But no, they would both rather have a daiquiri like they're 16 years old at the local football club on a Saturday night. And my teeth feel so furry for them right now. I mean, at this point, I'm really glad that this almond latte community is an online community because can you imagine if we got together in real life, there'd be no chatuzuri, no dips, no rosé, no fun. So there you have it, fans. Some real first world problems right there. But in all honesty, I really hope that if you have an unpopular opinion, this segment has encouraged you to share it. You can do that actually by joining our Facebook community, Large Almond Latte Podcast. But really, yeah, it's not healthy to hold them in. So let it out, girlfriend. Vroom, 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 vroom. You asked for the review of the sequel, the first of like nine sequels, of the biggest movie franchise literally ever made. And don't worry, I'm not going to be doing all nine because I cannot watch that many fast cars and big swinging dicks. So here it is. Too fast, too furious. And honestly, that pun is probably the best thing about the movie. We open up and we're at a car meet, but they're speaking Spanish. So we're in Miami. In Miami, they don't just have Supras like in the OG. They have utes and cars that look like Mazda convertibles. And some of the worst attire I have ever seen since the Prey 2002. White flares, diamante belts, knee-high red boots. Steve Aoki's sister's in this one, and her name is Suki. She's racing her pink, of course, because she's a girl, car against two rival gangs. But they need a fourth racer. Luda calls Brian. Again, this is like the Ja Rule situation. Luda isn't playing Luda, but a Luda song is playing in the background. So who's singing the song? Why do they keep doing this? Anyway, Brian's like, yeah, I'll raise. I need the money. So I think we can confirm what we're all thinking. He's no longer a cop because he was no good at that job. Brian comes in his new gray skyline with blue lights under the chassis. It looks like a Nokia 8250. Remember the first phone with blue lights? Also remember how you could take your green light Nokia phone to a dodgy place and they would change the color of the lights from green to red or blue? I think that's what Paul's done with his car. Anyway, they race and they go very, very fast. Then Luda does something so irresponsible, more than having a street race to begin with. He lifts the bridge up so they have to jump over the bridge at the finish line, which obviously they have totally stopped from speed, but whatever. One racer doesn't jump, one spins out, Paul Walker wins, and then Suki's left to Stephen Bradbury into second place. After dropping lines such as, smack that ass, and 
bend over, boys. She seems real classy. Uh-oh, the cops are here, of course. Brian is caught and now he's in a police briefing. What? Is he still a cop? Oh, thank God he's not. The police just need some good drivers to catch this drug dealer bad guy and they say to Brian that in return, they'll forget about all the crimes he committed in LA, aka when he let Vin drive off into the sunset. Yeah, it seems legit they need good drivers to catch a drug dealer. Anyway, he's like, okay, I'll play if I can choose my partner. Oh, he's going to choose Vin. He's going to choose Vin. But he doesn't. He chooses Tyrese. He goes to tell Tyrese and Tyrese then beats the shit out of him because he thinks Brian put him in jail back when he was a cop for three years, but he actually didn't. But then Brian's like, well, Tyrese, if you do this, they're going to wipe your record. And Tyrese is like, cool, I'm in. Ooh, and guess who is leading the undercover operation? Eva Mendez. Um, okay, there is no way that these three extremely good-looking people are going to be undercover anywhere. They 100% stand out a little bit in a crowd. Right, whatever. So they get their new cars, which are at Universal Studios in the tour, FYI, and they go for a drive and, oh my God, this is it, this is it. He does the stare and drive on Eva Mendes and it is porn. They pull up at the lights and then Tyrese is like, he got that from me. Their end destination is what can only be described as a drug dealer's house in Miami. Silk shirts, big pillars, huge lion head fountains. Oh, yeah, it is a drug dealer's house. Eva Mendez is undercover working for the drug dealer who's the bad guy that they're trying to catch. Then there's all these other drivers around too. It's a competition. The drug dealer is like, right, there's something in my red Porsche that I need, but my red Porsche has been compounded. So whoever can go and recover the thing inside the red Porsche first can work for me. So Tyrese and Brian go and they drive super fast. Brian even drives backwards. What a show off. Anyway, they find the Porsche first and Tyrese takes his top off for literally no reason, but I'll take it. And then they go back to the drug dealer's house. But where is Vin Diesel? Honestly, we're like 20 minutes in and he's nowhere to be seen. And Tyrese is great. But I really miss Vin and the old gang. Mm. So the drug dealer wants them to do a drug deal, unsurprisingly. Pick the money out from the north part of Florida and do an exchange in the keys and they'll get 100G at the end. So this deal, not crossing any borders, shouldn't really attract any police. It should be pretty simple. But like if you're a drug dealer, wouldn't you want inconspicuous people to do this? Like average looking people, not two super hot rip dudes driving like a Corolla doing the speed limit, not two extremely good looking guys driving fluoro cars, hotted up, driving like a million times over the speed limit. Honestly, this is begging to get caught. So Eva goes and sees Brian on his houseboat and the sexual chemistry is palpable, but nothing happens. And she's like, look, the drug dealer really doesn't trust you and he's going to shoot you in the head after you do the deal. So don't do it. But then just as she's talking to him, the drug dealer shows up himself and Eva hides and he's like to Brian and Tyrese, look, these henchmen are going to come with you tomorrow. And they're like, "Uh oh, yeah, this drug dealer really doesn't like us. So they go and tell the actual police and the police are like, yeah, like you might die, but you still have to do this. So Paul and Tyrese are like, well, this is kamikaze. We're on a death mission. So they have this DNM about it. And Tyrese mentions for like the 7 millionth time that he went to jail. But he's like, you know what, Brian, I know it wasn't your fault. And I I think this is why you let those guys go back in LA, right? And Paul's like, yeah. Then they're like, but you know what? We're really confident in our driving skills, so we can do this. And I'm like, is Vin here yet? 
No, he's not. But the stage is set for this drug exchange. The undercover cops are all in position at this airstrip where Eva Mendes said the drug deal was going down. That bit's important. So Paul and Tyrese pick up the drug money from a trailer park. And I cannot see why this is a two-person job, let alone a four-person job. It just seems like it's more people, more risk. I just think this drug dealer really wants to get caught. Like, sure. Anyway, so then they drive off and literally every cop car in Miami is chasing them, probably because they're in like fluoro cars driving at 10 million miles an hour. So it's car chase time. Woo, woo, really boring. Then Brian and Tyrese lead them into a car garage and they're completely surrounded. And then the doors close and then, uh uh-oh, the garage doors open again and a bunch of utes come out and drive over the cop cars. I feel like there could definitely be like some manslaughter charges later after this. Anyway, then more and more and more and more cars come out, like hundreds of them. Supras, Skylines, Mitsubishis. It's Luda and Suki and the street racing gangs. Wow, they are good friends doing this for Brian and Tyrese because now they're all getting charged. So in the meantime, Paul and Tyrese, or Brian and Tyrese, have swapped their cars. So now they're driving around in other cars and the police don't know which ones are them. Genius. So they're driving their new cars towards the airstrip where they think the drug deal is going to go down. And Tyrese literally ejects his henchman out of the car, like James Bond matchbox cars. So he doesn't get killed afterwards, obviously. And Brian is about to do the same thing when his henchman tells him to take a turn. But he's like, what? That's not the way to the airstrip. And the henchman's like, yeah, there's a new location. Ooh. Brian gets to the new location and the drug dealer's there and he's like, yeah, I only told one person about the airstrip and that was Eva Mendes, so how come it's surrounded with cops? Ooh, they are caught out. So everyone has their guns out and then the drug dealer puts Eva Mendes on a boat and the henchman has the gun to Paul Walker's head and then he starts like kicking him. So then the boat speeds off with the drug dealer and... Eva Mendes in the boat. So then Tyrese comes and knocks out the henchmen. So then Paul and Tyrese get in their cars and they're driving side by side with the boat. And then, oh my God, they drive so fast that they drive onto the boat. Wild. So Brian shoots the drug dealer, but he's not dead. Then Eva Mendes picks up the drug dealer's gun and holds it against him until the police come. So then, happy ending. Brian and Tyrese settle their debts with the police and then straight up tell them that they're keeping some of the drug money. Okay, seems legit. Then Brian and Eva give each other strong sex eyes, but that's all. And I think because he's maybe still in love with Vin's sister, but honestly, where are Vin and the gang? Where are they? I literally had hopes right up until the last scene that they would show up, and they didn't. Then Brian and Tyrese walk off into the sunset with their drug money, which I really hope that they share with Luda and Suki and the gang after what they did for them. The end. Right, the positives of this movie, obviously Tyrese and Paul Walker perfection. The whole soundtrack is basically ludicrous, which is great. And obviously Eva Mendes, but where are Vin and the gang? It just wasn't Fast and the Furious without Vin and the gang. So they lose a few points for that. So I guess like six out of 10. Now it's time for your life changer. They're called t-shirts because they're shaped like a T. Thanks for listening to Large Almond Latte. If you loved the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple and give us five stars if you're feeling super generous or follow us on Spotify. You can join the low involvement discussion by following us on Instagram at Large Almond Latte Podcast or join the Facebook group at Large Almond Latte Podcast.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 